Hello, welcome to the Progressive Performance Podcast. My name is Bryce Calvin. Uh, if this is your first time here, it is not usually going to be just me. I'm usually going to have someone on with me, but I do want to occasionally throw in these solo recordings, um, whether it's to go over something more specific that I can just kind of rant or ramble about, um, or like what we're going to be doing in this instance, which is me going a little bit deeper into a, an article that I wrote. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know or maybe doesn't follow me or or know too much about what I do, uh, I like to think that I, I write um, a good amount of content. Some of that is fitness oriented. Some of it is more just life musings and ramblings. Some of it's a little bit more just out there, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, but I do want to kind of just orate um, and go through one of my more recent articles and just see if there is anything that I can potentially add that was left off, um, maybe make some some quick side tangents. Um, but just in general, kind of, again, narrate and orate the actual written article, uh, because I do think that it was one of the better articles that I've written and also one of the most concise and and really easy to get through articles, um, lots of, of heavy hitting points, I felt like. And a lot of that comes from just the general topic itself, which the name of the article is 100 Pieces of Advice for Fitness Coaches. And that seems extremely narrow, I'm sure, but a lot of the pieces of advice can carry over to pretty much anything, um, which you will see here in a moment once we get in, but also it will carry over into a lot of small business ownership, entrepreneurship, um, and just working habits in general, and just human nature and dealing with people and all of that stuff. So it is pretty broad, even though the the title of the article seems a little bit specific and narrow. So with that out of the way, um, I am going to go ahead and jump into this. And unfortunately, I wanted to I wanted to share my screen and, and walk through that way. So we had a little bit of a visual as well. But for whatever reason, I am inept and I could not figure out how to share my screen. So uh, for those of you who are only listening and not attempting to watch this, great. If you were hoping to watch this on YouTube, you just get to stare at my face the entire time, unfortunately. Um, but that is the nature of the beast at the moment. So with that being said, let me go ahead and get into this. All right, awesome. So point number one. Not everyone who enjoys fitness should try to be a coach. Those aren't at all correlated. Fitness is a hobby, does not translate to success as a profession. Most people will be better served to maintain a gap between the two. Friends and family asking you for free nutrition or training advice does not mean strangers will be willing to pay for your expertise. Um, I want to keep this moving because this is quite a bit to get through, but um, I will at various points stop and just add a little bit. So continuing on point number two. And not everyone who is a coach should try to be, or to, excuse me, should try to own their own business. Being a good coach doesn't necessarily translate to entrepreneurial success. If you're only concerned with coaching clients and don't want to have to deal with all the other bullshit that comes with business ownership, there are many established companies that you can work for. Working at an LA fitness and being fed clients is infinitely easier than trying to build your own LA fitness. Point number three, it's going to be way harder than you think. If you think it's easy, you're fucking something up. Don't be fooled by what you see on social media. There is nothing simple or easy about this. Building something notable requires sacrifice. 
Point number four, you're going to be overworked, stressed, and underappreciated 90% of the time. There are no days off as a business owner. You don't get holidays and vacations. Nobody cares how hard you're working or how little you're sleeping. Your clients want results, and that's what you're being paid for. A nascent business demands your attention at all times and will test your resolve. Point number five, the other 10% will make it worth it if you can persist. Most people won't persist, and this is what separates business owners from coaches. And I think that that's a really important point to make. And just kind of summar summarizing the, the first five points here is it is okay if you want to be a coach and if you want to be in the fitness industry without owning your own business. Business ownership is very challenging. It's meant to be challenging. And it's okay if you don't want that. All right, moving on. Point number six, learn the business or learn the basics of business management, finance, and marketing before trying to start a business. This seems obvious, but it's not. Seven, to effectively operate and grow a business, you will need to be an entrepreneur, a manager, and a technician, but you can't be all three at the same time. Understand which role you will have the greatest impact in and focus your efforts there. Build contingencies for the areas in which you're lacking. Point number eight, you only have a finite amount of time and energy. Do more high ROI task projects and less of the inefficient ones. This seems obvious, but it's not. Point number nine, create a business plan before you start a business. Understand the path to profitability, understand your target market, understand the industry and your competition, understand your unique selling prop, understand best case and worst case scenarios. Be realistic about each of these. The name of your company isn't trivial. Uh, and this is actually a really important point. Your logo, color schemes, nicknames, and acronyms will be symbolic in the first layer of association for those outside of your business. Use these tools to inject, inject personality establish and establish what you're about. Getting any one of these wrong can be a death sentence before you even start. 11, on the above, name your business after yourself. You can, or excuse me, naming your business after yourself can create a barrier if you ever intend to sell or even step away from being public facing. Prospective clients will assume they'll be dealing with you directly, which may make it a little bit more challenging to reroute them to other coaches. And people who work for you may not be excited with always having your name looming over their heads. 12. On the above again, not naming your business after yourself can reduce the positive association that comes with more success and notoriety. If early growth is dependent on your coaching, as it often is, nondescript business names can make it more challenging for interested clients to find you. Think hard before, before you commit to a business name. Your business should always be able to operate without you. Oh, excuse me, this is point number 13, but I'm probably just going to start running these together rather than indicating the different points. Just note that if it sounds like a different point, it probably is a different point. And as we continue to get further and further along, there is going to be a little bit less consistency from point to point. There'll be a little bit more seemingly random, but that is okay. The, the gist kind of continues. Uh, again, your business should be able to operate without you. If it can't, that's a big problem that needs to be addressed as soon as possible. Don't try to scale before you have the infrastructure in place to support it. Standardize every internal process, procedure, and task that gets done regularly. Reduce your business operations down to daily checklists. Make it simple enough that anyone can come in, even without any prior knowledge or experience, and keep things afloat. This will lessen the reliance on any one person, including you, create redundancies, and make future, future growth infinitely easier. When you do scale, do it in phases. Push forward, then give the business and yourself time to breathe. Every phase of, of growth necessita necessitates different stuff at the next level of the business, which will often be qualitatively different from the stuff you did at the previous level. Novel problems will appear that require innovation to solve. Don't build your business on a house of cards for the sake of moving fast. Having said that, 
You absolutely want to have urgency with everything you and your team do. The longer you delay in getting the tasks finished or product released or advertising campaign launched, the greater the chance that the opportunity will pass you by, or even worse, that a competitor will get there first. Never stop questioning things in your business, even those that seem obvious or intuitive. Ask yourself, why are we doing this? What are the goals? Is this required? Who is being direct, directly affected by this? How are they experiencing it? What would happen if we changed this step, process, or piece? What would happen if we eliminated this step, process, or piece? On the above, you'll be surprised how often you can get rid of entire steps, processes, and pieces that had become entrenched because nobody had thought to question them. If you're on the fence about a step, process, or piece, just remove it and see what happens. At worst, you, at worst, you can add it back in later with the understanding and or with better understanding and respect for its importance. At best, you've made your business more efficient without expending any more time or money. Only after you go through the questioning deletion cycle should you think about how to optimize. There's no point in attempting to improve steps, processes, or pieces of your business that should be removed instead. This is a great way to keep your company as lean, fast, and adaptable as possible, even as you scale and grow. Everyone assumes that growth equals hiring, but this isn't always the case. Don't add people to your team just because that's how other businesses operate. If you can keep the team small, do it. On the above, not every process needs human continuous human intervention and oversight. Automate everything you can. Think about ways to get more out of less. If you do decide to hire, do so vertically before horizontally. Hire an assistant, accountant, graphic designer, salesperson, market, marketing strategist, and or web developer before hiring an assistant coach if you can. Hire people who can do things you can't do before hiring people who are meant to re replicate what you do best. More degrees of separation between you and the delivery of the service means more objections and potentially less quality control. Also note, pretty sure I mixed up vertically and horizontal integration and scaling. So if I did, please do not sue me or come at me, but 90% sure that was meant to say horizontal scaling rather than vertical. Apologies there. Okay, on to the next. Firing someone does not make you a bad person. It's just business. That is incredibly important to remember. That should be bolded. That should be highlighted. That probably should have been the first point that we went over in this article, but alas. On the above, fire quickly. If, you, if you're having doubts about someone's future with your company, you've already fired them in your head. Not doing so in reality is just delaying the inevitable. Don't hire your friends. Don't hire people because you like them. Don't create a job for someone if it's not a need. Don't hire without knowing every aspect of what the job will entail, even if you don't have the technical skills to do it yourself. Don't hire mercenaries. Don't hire someone unless it's an emphatic, an emphatic yes, even if you're desperately needing the position filled. Do hire people who are trustworthy, hardworking, and aligned with your business's mission. Do hire people who are willing to admit when they don't know something. Do hire people who take initiative and find the answers to things they don't know. Do hire people who are effective communicators, open-minded, and transparent. Do hire people with who have integrity and who have high standards for themselves. Do hire people who are willing to make individual sacrifices for the benefit of the whole. Even if you nail the hiring process, people and relationships change over time. What started as a perfect match may slowly degrade. If you begin to notice apathy, declining output, or diverging ideologies, it's your job as the business owner to address the problem and find a solution. Either reconcile differences, reassign them, or fire them, but don't just hope for the issues to go away on their own. If you notice that someone's personality or attitude is neg negatively affecting the rest of the team, get rid of them immediately. Everyone will be better off in the long run. The only way to get true buy-in from those who work for you is through properly aligned incentives. 
Put yourself in their position and ask, if this were me, would I be motivated to work hard for and be loyal to the business? Your answer will tell you how effective your current incentive structures are. Give less guaranteed salary, wage, and more in the way of bonuses, equity, and opportunities for growth. Most people won't like this, but it will filter for those who are hardworking and committed to the success of your business. Set penalties for underperformance and actually penalize if necessary. Again, most people won't like this, but it will filter for those who are hardworking and committed to the success of the business. These also need to be highlighted and bolded. It is incredibly important to get those right and align incentives for how you work with and bring on people into your company. Don't be afraid to be honest with people. If they're doing poor work, you have to tell them. Otherwise, they won't know. The tricky part is figuring out how each person on your team best receives constructive criticism and tailoring your approach to their needs. Be direct, but have tact. And for every piece of criticism, give them two pieces of praise. Most people respond better to rewards and punishment, and positive signaling is even more important than negative. Tell them what you want more of rather than only telling them the things that they need to do less. Relationships are crucial for a healthy work environment, but be careful. Camaraderie can become a barrier for honest feedback and a honeypot for gossiping clicks. Water break. And I think that the first part of this article is really heavy on things like hiring practices, things like scaling. Um, so if you made it through the first part of this article, congrats. Um, the latter half, I want to say, is a little bit more broad. Um, and that's where we kind of get into more like work habits and just general um, general tips on how to be more productive in work, in life, in business, et cetera. Okay, and moving on, never ask your employees or those who work for you to do something you aren't willing to do, to do yourself. Limit recurring group meetings as much as possible. They can be the ultimate waste of everyone's time and the business's money. Schedule them as needed whenever an announcement needs to be made that requires real-time feedback. Have systems in place for communicating everything else. Use one-on-one -on -one meetings more liberally. This will give people the opportunity to ask questions or bring up issues that they might have been reticent to in a group setting. You'll typically get the ground truth more easily during one-on-ones than you will and will get a better gauge on the business's morale. Meet with everyone in your company at least quarterly for as long as it's feasible. Every meeting should be planned thoroughly and have a rigid agenda. Get straight to the point. Don't, don't waste people's time with bullshitting and unrelated conversations. All right, here is where we get into the fun stuff. <laughs> Try to learn the tax code. Nobody actually understands it, but you should at least know all the way the government is trying to fuck you. On the above, create a separate account exclusively for taxes and put 20% of net profit in there every month and do not touch it. Even just planning ahead for, excuse me, even just planning ahead of times for the inevitability of taxes is such a massive stress relief for the business owner and not many people do this. Understand the tax laws and, around deductions and business structures. Do what is needed to reduce your obligations as much as possible within reason. You'd be surprised what you can find if you dig deep enough or have a really good CPA to help you. Here's a hack. Everything in your home office or everything is your home office if you squint hard enough. Invest in a really good desk, chair, and workstation for your home office. Don't be cheap with these purchases. If you want a successful business, pay yourself like an employee, not like a dictator. You shouldn't be pillaging your company's coffers every month to fund your own lifestyle. On the above, avoid personal debt as much as possible. Debt will impair your rationality and promote impulsivity. It will force you to make decisions for tomorrow rather than next year. If you can avoid debt, you'll be able to outlast most of your competitors. Learn how to read a balance sheet and a P&L statement. Analyze them monthly so you understand what is happening in your business, even and especially when things are slow. 
Burying your head in the sand and claiming ignorance doesn't make your problems go away. Your business becomes more valuable with more money coming in, with more money coming in or less money going out. Reducing bloated expenses is much easier than making more money. If you want to increase profit margins quickly, start by cutting out unnecessary shit. Isolate three to five high value metrics that drive your business positively or negatively. Track these numbers religiously and note trends. Make dashboards and put them everywhere so your whole team can see them constantly. Figure, figure out the highest ROI activities you can, you can do to influence them. The counterintuitive aspect of this is that you want the number of metrics, also known as key performance indicators or KPIs, to be as few as possible. If you can narrow, down, narrow this down to only one KPI, that would be even better. And as you grow, you can expand these by chunking them by category. For example, sales, KPIs, marketing KPIs, financial KPIs, et cetera. If you can't handle volatil volatility, this is not for you. One month, one month, you're rich and the smartest person in the room. The next, you're eating ramen and second-guessing every decision you make. Business ownership doesn't come with stability. On the above, always plan for down months and years. Business cycles are unavoidable. Be bearish when others are bullish and bullish when others are bearish. Try to have enough free cash to fund operations for at least three months, ideally much longer. Network as much as you can and piggyback off the success of others. Riding coattails is a cheat code. Watch your competitors, see what they're doing that's working and do it better. See what they're doing that isn't working and, and allow them to make the mistakes so you don't have to. At the same time, don't pay too much attention to your competitors. Keep your eyes forward and stay in your lane. Being too focused on what's happening outside your business can be a distraction from what you should be doing inside it. Don't make your life harder out of stubbornness. Accept help when it's offered and ask for help when you're stuck. Find a mentor who has already done what you're doing. Soak up as much as possible. This works equally well with a group of your peers who are trying to do the same thing or are slightly further along. Related to the above, be extremely selective with who you choose to listen to and learn from. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the health, wellness, and fitness industries who are closer to professional scam artists than enlightened gurus. Most advice will be bad advice, so keep your bullshit detector polished. Place more importance on practical experience than traditional education. You'll learn more about how to coach by actually coaching rather than reading about how to coach. Certifications are almost always a waste of time and money and say very little about aptitude. Get the minimum required cert for what you're trying to do and just do it. Don't stress the rest. On the above, learning should never stop, but make sure your attention is being directly ap directed appropriately and utilized efficiently. Is getting 5% more knowledgeable with, within nutrition more useful than 50% more knowledgeable at SEO or copywriting? Here's a hack. It's easier to go from 0 to 50% than 90 to 95%. Set rigid boundaries with your clients from the first interaction. Protect your time and energy. Be careful with over-delivering in order to impress clients. This standard will become their expectation. Any slip in quality will then feel like under-delivering under to them. Over-delivering is setting yourself up for failure. Your normal offering should already be enough or be valuable enough that it doesn't need to be exaggerated. Don't be, don't be afraid to fire a client or say no to a prospective one if they're a bad fit. This is inevitable and doesn't make you a bad coach or person if you don't vibe with everyone. Make sure you have resilient contracts in place that protect you and your business from black swan-like events, for example, COVID. Focus on one thing at a time. There will never be any less things that need to be done, and dividing your attention only serves to lower the quality of your work. Do one thing really well and then move on to the next. Make sure you always understand why you're doing this and what the long-term goals are, personally and professionally. Your professional goals should be supplementing your personal ones. If they begin to divert, something needs to change. Have a three-year plan for your business and then zoom in to create annual, quarterly, monthly, and weekly structure. Reevaluate quarterly to make sure you're on track and to account for new developments. 
The reason we don't focus on longer time horizons than three years is because the world changes too rapidly to plan for further out. Your personal morals, values, and ethics are what should guide you into the hazy future rather than current trends. Work with technology rather than trying to fight it. Pay attention to new innovations, even if they don't affect you yet. They will eventually. Artificial intelligence is going to eat the world. Learn how to use and integrate AI into your business or get left behind. Here's a hack. When using large language models like ChatGPT, don't copy and paste the first output you get. You're not fooling anyone. Uh, I'm going to second that one. Most software and apps have 30-day free trials. Before you commit or pay, test out as many of these platforms as you can to figure out which is best for you and your business. Don't silo yourself into fitness just because that's your industry of choice. When you become a business owner, you become a part of a, a complex, interconnected global economy. Understand your place in it. This will require knowledge beyond the caloric content of a gram of fat. Avoid romantic sexual relationships, romantic and sexual relationships with your clients. It will almost always end up with you losing a client. Generally, it will end up much worse. The last thing you should do each day is to plan your next day. You should never not know what you're supposed to be doing at any given time. Schedule one day per week as your disconnect day. Don't do any work. Don't open your email. Don't create content. This will end up being the most productive day of your week. Live off your calendar. Batch tasks as much as possible. Aim to maximize your amount of four plus hour blocks of a single task, uninterrupted work time. Every Sunday, write down the projects that you want to get done the following week. Assign estimated times to each of them, then multiply that number by three. Now pencil those projects into your calendar around recurring tasks. Figure out the circumstances in which you create your best work. Replicate those circumstances. Protect those circumstances at all costs. Two mandatory skills, speaking and writing. You can never be too good at either of these. The goal and the, the idea <laughs> is to practice, practice, and practice some more. Be the most reliable and responsible person you can be. Avoid being late. Always be overprepared. People will pay more for dependability because of how rare it is. Learn to internalize the value equation. Perceived likelihood of achievement plus the dream outcome over time plus effort plus sacrifice. Try to maximize the top of the equation, perceived likelihood of achievement plus the dream outcome, while minimizing the bottom, time plus effort plus sacrifice. I stole this from Alex Hormozzi, who probably got it from someone else, so it's totally fine that I am now ripping it off, because obviously, giving credit. But yeah, that is such a great equation. Everyone should know it. Everyone should remember it. Everyone should copy and post it on their wall, especially if you are in the service-based industry, or if you're a coach, or if you are an entrepreneur. There are hidden costs in everything. These can be more influential on consumer decision-making than monetary cost or price. Uh, just because you reduce the price of your service to, or give away content for free does not mean people will care. Figure out ways to decrease the hidden costs and or increase the value of your offer. On the above, you will inherently value the things that you produce more than everyone else because of the time and effort that went into producing them. Don't get upset or take offense when this inevitably happens. Just keep producing. It's okay to be wrong. It's probably even a good thing to be wrong at times, but it's not good to be confident, unwavering, and hard-headed while also being wrong. Clear all of your inboxes every night before you go to bed. This has an outsized positive impact on stress management. As a fitness coach, it's easy to get caught in the trap of focusing on everyone else's health and neglecting your own. Prioritize and take care of yourself always. Here's a hack. Sleep more to buy back more time in your day. This is counterintuitive, but true. Find what works and be maniacally consistent. Your reputation is everything. Everything you do, every decision you make should be guided by how it will affect your reputation. Here's a hack. Your reputation grows and drops and is 
lost in buckets. The FOMO mindset drives every consumer decision. So have your clients post about you and your business as much as possible. Showcase how you interact with your clients, emphasizing your personality, humor, and charisma. Regularly post testimonials, transformations, and openly discuss the unique aspects of your client's situation, the challenges you face, and how you helped your client overcome those challenges. All of this builds credibility and drives non-clients to want to become clients. Create a central location for community building. You want a place where your clients can interact with you and other clients. This can be a Facebook group, periodic Zoom calls, or something like Discord. But don't just limit it to questions about coaching or fitness-related chats. Promote and encourage fun, fun, broad discussions that get people involved on a daily basis. When it comes to fitness-specific questions or troubleshooting, encourage tenured clients to step up and provide answers for those who might be newer or less experienced. Building an engaged and inclusive community is one of the highest ROI things you can do for your business. On the above, referrals are a fantastic way to exponential growth, or a fantastic and the fastest way to exponential growth. So once you're providing a ton of tangible value and have a robust community, create a lucrative, lucrative referral program to incentivize current clients to bring in their friends and family. Pay them actual money and don't be stingy. This is how you create a, per a perpetual motion machine. As your primary service continues to grow, become entrenched and function without constant intervention, think about the ways to diversify your revenue streams. The possibilities are truly endless with a little, when a little creativity is applied, but here are a few of my favorites. Productize your service. Outsource your expertise, something like consulting or, or B2B management or whatever else it might be. Package and sell your proprietary, proprietary knowledge and software, things like online courses, uh, procedures, templates, et cetera. Affiliates and partnerships, or affiliations, partnerships with brands you use and trust. But be very selective here. Nailing this can be a huge value add, but the wrong association can tank your reputation. No amount of money is worth that. On the above, I guess like tangential to it, selling merch is not a secondary revenue stream. It is a marketing expense. Treat it as such and do not try to make profit off of, or excuse me, do not try or expect to make it a profit off of sales of merch. Don't paywall your content. It's not worth whatever money you might be able to make from doing so. You'll get a greater ROI on your time and effort by blasting it as far and wide as possible. Exception one. Save some content and make it available only to current clients. This will add more tangible value to your service. Exception two, save some content to be introduced at specific times. For example, send new applicants a free ebook before they get onto a call. This adds more perceived value to your service. The most efficient, effective way to create content is long form, medium form, short form. Done right, this can go on forever without much redundancy. For example, see what I'm doing right now. For example, number one point A, 30-minute <laughs> podcast converts into a five-minute YouTube video, converts into a 30-second TikTok. Another example, 3,000-word blog post can be cre created into an Instagram caption, can be created into a tweet. Another example, ebook can be turned into a podcast oration, can be condensed into a blog post, can be mutated into an Instagram live discussion with a guest. And then from there, a Twitter thread on main points, 60 sec second clips posted to YouTube shorts, TikTok and TikTok and IG reels. Seriously, the options are never ending. Um, you can literally reuse, reappropriate, reappropriate. Wow, that is a hard word for me to say. Content forever, as long as you are strategic about it. So if you are creating long form content, podcasts, writing blog posts, eBooks, manuals, whatever else it is, 
there are always ways to use that to create more and more and more content without the same amount of effort being applied. Water break. We're almost done. We're almost done. Thank you for everyone who has stuck with it this far. Um, yeah, you know, if you're just continuing to stare at my face, props to you. All right, so use surveys liberally and incentivize participation. Make them easy to fill out. Use them to get real feedback and criticism rather than just to hear all the things that you're doing right. Then actually make those necessary changes. Have one for current clients. Have one for leads who don't sign on. Have one for new clients just after they sign on. Have one for exiting clients. Have one for your team, team members after one-on-ones. Have one for your social media audience. And on and on and on. You're not a specialist in everything, so don't portray yourself to be. You'll gain more respect and goodwill by referring a client to someone else than giving advice outside of your expertise. Here's a hack. Partner with a specialist who you refer your clients to. Don't sell out and conform just because everyone else does. Pay attention to trends in content creation, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, but don't get tricked into playing the same game. Being, robo being robotic might work in the short term, but deserting creativity will eventually destroy you. You're deluding yourself if you think that others are incapable of replicating your expertise and service. Most of the value in your offer is you. Figure out your idiosyncrasies that draw people in and amplify those qualities. Understanding psychology is more important than understanding physiology for getting your clients the results that they want. Stress the seemingly unimportant details. Clients and potential clients tend to notice the small things just as often as the big things. So don't let small things slide just because they're small things. Take pride in the small things. Every email should have correct spelling and proper grammar. This also goes for the content you create, copywriting on your site, applications, surveys, and any other place with your branding associated with it, including any partners or affiliates that you work with. Getting respected as a professional is already hard enough in the fitness industry. Don't make it even more challenging by mixing up there, there, and there. Practice what you preach. Walk the talk. If you're a fitness coach, you should at least act like someone who is into fitness. Everyone has their own story, so I'll stop short of saying that you should look the part, but you definitely should be healthy. And you should be able to show how you've improved through your own fitness journey. Last one. Last one. Since everyone, I'm sure, is just dying at this point. but promise that the next time I do this, I will figure out a way to share the screen so that it is not just me. But I think that this is this is an important point, And this is the most crucial one of all. Um, so last one, you're going to fuck up and make mistakes. You're going to feel like you're letting everyone down. You're going to feel like you're not the right person for the job. You're going to want to quit, but don't. Everyone feels like this. Everyone is making it up as they go. Everyone is still hoping that one day the light bulb will suddenly go off and everything will make sense. Hint. It won't, and it never gets any easier. The true light bulb moment comes when you understand this and begin to see this all as a game, a game that can be won. Your only real opponent is yourself. The rules are flexible. You can create luck out of thin air. You can reset the scoreboard to zero whenever you choose, and the more points you score, the easier, easier it is to then score more points. You can only win the game by learning to enjoy the absurdity of the game. So on that note... Thank you for listening to my oration of this article. Um, I, I hope to be able to write more articles like this um, with you know varying degrees of specification to just different areas of maybe business or fitness or life, just things like that. I, I like the, the bullet point um, format. It, it makes it really easy. It makes it uh, a lot more readable. It cuts out a lot of the fluff and bullshit 
Um, and honestly, it's just a little bit more fun for me to write because I feel like I can actually impart more knowledge. So I will most likely try to do more of those. And like I said, you know, I, I hope that that I can figure out the, the best way to share the screen rather than me just being a little bubble in the corner so that whenever I am doing this next time, it is a little bit easier to actually follow along versus just seeing me, listening to me narrate or orate. But I want to say thank you again for following along. Thank you if you listen to the entire thing. should be able to listen on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, be able to watch the, the video component on YouTube as well. So thank you. And until next time.